2: That's blue Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
1: Welcome to episode one of season two of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running. And in this episode, I talk to Susie Chan. Susie is a hugely inspirational ultra runner, having taken on dozens of endurance challenges across the globe. She's a popular woman in the running industry, and you might have seen her popping up on your TV or at the National Running Show interviewing other runners and commenting on races. I talked to her in September this year about exploring her local area during lockdown, going from a few half marathons to running the Marathon de Sable heat training, her rollercoaster journey from chasing PBs to a shock cancer diagnosis, and dealing with that diagnosis by entering a lot of races. She also talks about battling the Jungle Ultra after her husband had almost died, tripping over an alligator during a 100-miler in Florida, running with her best pal Sophie Rayworth, and her love of craft beer. And if you want to know what the best food to take on a desert ultra is, she knows just the thing. Spoiler, it involves the words pot and noodle. This episode is sponsored by Brooks Running. Brooks has launched its brilliant Run Visible collection this autumn and are giving you the opportunity to win one of two entire Run Visible outfits worth £400 each. Each winner will win a pair of women's carbonite tights, the carbonite hoodie... The carbonite jacket and a pair of Run Visible Ghost 13 shoes. Run Visible is a collection designed to keep you running no matter the weather or the time of day with smart high visibility features to keep you seen in the dark. To win all of this, you just need to go to womensrunning.co.uk forward slash run visible and answer a very simple question and for all the T's and C's. That's womensrunning.co.uk forward slash run visible find out more about the collection at brooksrunning.co.uk. good luck
0: and how long is this just give me an idea i don't want to i don't want to i can ramble a bit so i just want to make sure that i keep my answers the appropriate length i want you to ramble
1: (laughs) i like i like my podcast to be anywhere between like 45 minutes up to just over an hour Okay. I, All right. I like them to accompany people's long runs on a Sunday. Okay. That's,
0: that's I see. Okay. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: okay. Um, well, I guess, I mean, well, we talked about it a little bit already before, but I really want to know what you've been up to in lockdown.
0: So lockdown has been, uh, I mean, basically it's, I can boil it down to one thing and that I've been running. <laughs> there hasn't been much else to, to do. Um, and we, we just about to briefly, the weather has been very, very kind. And um, I, think, I think at first, that sort of first week where it was all very odd, very new and quite stressful, I actually um, I lost all motivation to run. I, I, did, I, had to, I was just sitting in bed and when I would normally be out running, I was just sitting there like, scrolling through you know, the horror of on, on, on the news and, and whatever it was. And it was. It was actually quite um, – I found it really demotivating at the start, but I made myself go out because that was all we were allowed to do was to do that one thing. So I went out. Um, I wouldn't say it's a chore, but I had to, it, it, I was procrastinating before going out. But by the second or third week, you know, the weather was glorious and it was what it was. And I was um, using that as an opportunity really to go and explore places right on my doorstep and, and loads of new trails. And by the third week, I was absolutely having a, having a lovely time because... There were so many places which I'd not been to, uh, very, very close to me, all these new trails. And so I spent the majority of lockdown just exploring the local area in a way perhaps that I would never have done for, for, you know, for, for several years, I'm sure. Whereabouts do you live, Susie? So I live on the Surrey and Hampshire border. Um, just on the Hampshire side, a place called Borden. It's um, uh, uh, it's beautiful countryside around here. I'm right on the edge of the South Downs National Park, but Borden itself is an old military town. So, um, yeah, there's not much here. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, what they're doing is is um, they're getting the old military town and they're just flattening it and building building a new town. It's actually the biggest um, regeneration project in the UK at the moment. And we've moved in on pretty much phase one. So I live. In a building site in the countryside. That's <laughs> the best way to describe it. But, um, <laughs> but I live right on the edge of the South Downs National Park. It is literally at the end of my road, and uh, so it, I mean it's beautiful. It's miles and miles and miles of it. So it's just it's a it's a glorious spot, and and we did choose uh, choose this place. Um, you know with, with the running in mind because it's not too hilly <laughs> um, and you know it's, it's really well positioned um, not too far from the coast 30 minutes from the coast and, and about an hour uh, on the train to London so uh, really happy here. So is it, is it an area that you're familiar with? Did you know it before you moved there? No so I moved basically about eight miles south I was in Farnham before and I, and I lived there for about 15 years and I knew that really well on the North Downs Way um, a new area, you know, Farnham and Guildford very, very well. So it's, it's not too far away from, from where I was. But I found that before lockdown, I'll be uh, running like the same sort of two or three routes here or getting in my car and going to Farnham or, got, or meeting friends in Guildford and just doing those same runs. And so it was, I've only been here a year and a half. So actually, um, you know, the, the lockdown just showed me what beautiful trails were nearby. Perhaps I, I probably I probably would have stayed in the same routine of going to, to my more familiar trail routes. So yeah. <laughs> it's very <laughs> really quiet though, like super quiet. So I got a little bit um I got a li- little bit of cabin fever, I think, so sort of about four weeks in because I would go out for a run and I, I just don't see anybody. it's so quiet. You just you, I just didn't see anybody for days and days and days, even out, out running. So um it's it's a bonus So it is very quiet but yeah, He's <laughs> <a> little teen <laughs> quiet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, would it be okay to talk about when you started running, how you discovered it?
0: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah I discovered it really. It, it wasn't a, a decision that, oh, I'm going to take up running. It was somebody else's idea. It was my brother's idea. Um, I was in a bit of a rut. Um, I was a single mum, I was skint, stuck at home, um, and it, just sort of drinking wine, watching I do know, Holby City or something. <laughs> That's a really uninspiring light. And he um, wanted to run a marathon. So he basically cajoled me into doing this local half marathon um, very near Farnham. It was actually Farnham Pilgrim's Half, it was called. And I, I didn't run, you know, I wasn't a runner at all. And so I, I agreed. I thought, oh, this, you know, it's, it was months away at that point. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe I can, I can run that far. And I agreed without really thinking how far 13 miles is because it is, it's a really long way, isn't it? If you, you know, it really is a, a long way for you to walk or drive 13 miles. <laughs> it's far. Um, and so basically, I started training uh, for this half marathon, just running up and down the road, really. Um, no watch. You know, back then, 2010, this was no watch, nothing. I just didn't, just just started running. I think like, like everybody else does and, uh, and, and, and built it up. And I, I think I must have got up to, it's hard to say, because I, I don't really know. I think I got up to about maybe... Seven, eight miles, something like that, and thought that was enough, and then turned up to the half marathon, um, terrified, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> terrified. Um, and it was the trail half marathon, and I didn't know what that meant. And, um, you know, I hadn't really run on the trails, so I've just been running up and down the road. So it was a bit of a baptism, back- as races go, and it was something like 700 foot elevation. Really, and I've just been running on this flat road. So, I mean, to say it was a baptism of fire isn't an understatement. I mean, I. <laughs> It, it hurts, um, but I, I just felt. I think about half, about two thirds of the way through, I realised I was going to finish, and I just couldn't believe it. And I just, it just carried me. That feeling of oh my god, I'm going to achieve this thing carried me for the last few miles, and I just, I was so elated when I finished. I couldn't believe I'd run a half marathon. Um, I couldn't walk the next day or the next day after that, but it really sort of lit the torch paper. I just thought, oh, this is this is something I really enjoyed, and it made me feel good. And, um, that was it really, that was the start of it. And then I, I think I entered a 10 K thinking I could do that, I've done a half marathon and then another half marathon. And then, you know, it escalated, it escalated quite, quite quickly after that, um, into my first ultra marathon a couple of years later. <laughs> Just two years later. Yeah. I think it was something like that. I was, I was signed up to the marathon of the Saab in 2013 and I think my first race, my first race was not the end, the tail end of 2010. Um, and that was that was mainly driven out of um, not uh, ignorance. <laughs> it wasn't. It, wasn't like a, it was like an ambition. It was an ambition, but it was more um, of a desire to. Oh, I wonder what that's like, rather than really thinking about it. And on reflection, I think if I'd seen those races, you know, those ultra close up, or, or seen them without having taken part first I would have never done them because they, they do look quite intimidating and terrifying from the outside um, but when you're going into something thinking oh I wonder what this is going to be like you know <laughs> it's I think so, sometimes it can be a little bit easier to to, to take on.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so you entered the Marathon de Sable just two years later what yes. what made you want hmm. to do that and and when did you discover that you had a talent for long endurance running
0: i wouldn't say i'm talented i think it's, it's probably just uh, uh it's probably just a bit of uh, i don't know it's, it's it, i sort of quite enjoy it and um, i entered that race the honest truth is i'd read about it in, in a running magazine and i'd seen and I, didn't, I didn't even know such a thing existed i was quite happy happily doing my sort of 10ks and and, and the odd half marathon and, and paris marathon the first marathon i just thought that was it i just thought that was that was that, was all that was available to, to runners. And I read about this, frankly, ridiculous race in, in the Sahara Desert. And the only way I can explain it is it's a little bit like when you, you know, you're watching those like, beautiful documentaries on TV and they just look so otherworldly and fantastic and adventurous and beautiful. And uh, I thought, wow, I'd love, to be able to, I'd love to be able to do that one day. And I'd heard back then it was very hard to get into – and um you know there's a long waiting list and all that sort of thing so I just signed up to the waiting list thinking i would get um you know the emails and maybe perhaps connect with a few people who, who also wanted to do it and learn um and then a few days later I found out that there are so many dropouts in the lead up to the race that everybody on the wait list gets in and I had a full-on <laughs> panic <laughs> and, and I was like, hmm, uh, you know, I was a bit of a crossroads. Like either I come off the waiting list or I just, just see what happens. And um, that's when there was a bit of an upturn in, in in my running. I suddenly absorbed every bit of information I could about about the race online and um, and started. And I entered a, a, my first ultramarathon as a, as a training run. Um, and that was around the Isle of Wight uh, in June. And that was over two days. And I just figured if I can't run around the Isle of Wight in June... Then I'm going to die in the Sahara. But, <laughs> but what, was, what was really, I think, what it, definitely a factor. What was interesting for me was that I could barely find any women that had entered this race. There, there was one lady who was who was sort of documenting it on on Twitter, and then the other person I knew who had done the other woman I knew who had done it was a lady called Mimi Anderson. And I just, other than that, just, there were just no females out there doing it. And and part me thought, well, you know, I, I think I can do this. Um, and I contacted both of them, and they were very encouraging and kind, and even though I, I probably asked very stupid, clueless questions <laughs> about the race itself because I still you know I'm still learning how to run a marathon um, and both really encouraged me to do it and I think that very first race I did women were there was maybe eighteen of us, something like that very small number um, and it was it did help it was a fuel it was definitely a fuel
1: <laughs> What was that like that first time that you did it? do
0: you know what I because i panicked so much about failing um and when you tell people about that sort of race the general reaction is uh, you know what are you doing you can't do it isn't it dangerous uh, because just to explain the race itself it's about 250 kilometers through the sahara desert um uh, so you're on quite difficult terrain but the thing which which really makes it difficult is the fact you have to carry all your survival kit for the week so you've got all of your your food which obviously weighs quite a lot for the week um, and you've got your, your sleeping gear and your survival kit so things like you have to have things that you know anti-scorpion venom pump um and sort of a, a, a you know sort of sheets to keep you warm and, and a mirror if you if you need to attract attention and back then we had to carry a massive distress flare which was huge <laughs> as well um so you're carrying a lot of weight and and i think yeah it's definitely harder for the smaller people in, in the field to to do that um so anybody I spoke to about it, I didn't tell my dad about it uh, I, I didn't tell him about it at all actually I think I t- I came back I was <laughs> really worried but it, it, everybody you tell that they just like they just say it's you know it's it, you can't do it it's it's slightly too you know it's it, what are you doing and you know you don't know what you're doing you've only run one marathon and it just it, I all of those things kind of went in I was terrified about failing I, thought, I can't fail And so I trained exceptionally hard. I probably trained hard for that race, harder than I've trained for anything else in my entire life. I just wanted to be, I just didn't want to fail. And so when I turned up at the start line, um, you know, there's about 900 of us, a few women. (laughs) Um, I actually, it actually felt right. I felt like I was, I was in the right place. And and this was exactly where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of the worries were just like, you know, there was nothing I could do. I was just there. And there was only one thing to do. And that was move forward through the sand dunes. (laughs) So, how, how do you prepare for a race like that? Oh, just miles and miles of trudging around. <laughs> I was sort of running. Um, I'd go out on a, on, a, on a early, really early in the morning and just stay on my feet for six hours and bring like, a packed lunch and just had a, had a big OS map, you know, like a foldable one. <laughs> and I would just kind of run for, for, for miles and miles and miles. And, and in particular, I paid particular attention to. Um, running day on day so I'd I'd be up I was working in London then so I'd run I'd go off the train early and run six miles to work and then run in my lunch and then and then run home whatever and all the miles kind of added up so I just had quite a heavy run schedule on my legs and then um, when I had time to do anything else I'd do something like, like swimming but it was basically a lot of time on feet um and that's that that's sort of physical training done but there's a whole other world of admin for that race which was a little bit harder and you know, a lot of research into food basically because weight is so crucial um in that race so i'll spend a lot of time like in the in the aisles in you know sainsbury's trying to find something which was incredibly high calorie and weighed nothing <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there was a What lot is of, that food then? Oh, uh, you, you, you don't want to know. I mean, it, it is pot noodle, I'm afraid. It is, <laughs> it's, it's very, very high calories of noodles, super noodles, all this. Sort of it's food which is is going give you calories but you know you can't really live off it for more than uh, more than a week because it's you know you're going to lose a lot of vitamins so <laughs> um nuts macadamia nuts that sort of thing um pretzels were another thing but they're very dry that was a bad choice at the start uh, <laughs> so just experimenting with lots of um, high calorie uh, lightweight food
1: <laughs> and what how did you prepare for the heat
0: so the heat, so the, I've done that race four times now and um, I've actually adapted how I've how I how I've, uh, prepared for the heat. The very first time I just did a hell of a lot of hot yoga. I've never been more flexible in my life. And you don't really need to focus on the heat until um, maybe three weeks before the event. If you start doing it too far out, then you have to, keep it up basically and so ideally three weeks before I was in a hot yoga studio which I nearly fainted in the very first time I went in for <laughs> one hour class it was horrendous I was terribly inflexible as well which didn't help uh, but then by the end of it I just kept going back and then building up my tolerance to the heat um until I, I could stay in that room for three hours and then uh, the um the the other uh, thing which I have done more recently in in, in the, the the um MDSs I've completed afterwards was actually work with the university and they have a something called a heat chamber, which is, <laughs> is as lovely as it sounds, it's basically a treadmill in a small, very small room with a tiny window, and they can control the environment inside. So they gradually the day one you go and you're sort of maybe on about twenty-three to twenty-six degrees. And then, then when you go back the next day, they they slowly build your body up to getting used to um, running in those those temperatures. Do you like love- then- oh sorry, carry on. No, no. I was just saying. So, when you when you arrive there, um, having had that heat acclimatization, it isn't actually as 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 much of a shock as it is. It can be. It's definitely an advantage. Do you do you like running in the heat? I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. I I, I am so fair weather. When it rained yesterday, bearing in mind it's August, I, I point blank refused to go out it and <laughs> run in my treadmill. <laughs> I love the summer. I love the heat. It's all of my races, my really big ultra mountains have been in hot climates. I, um, I just feel, I wouldn't say I feel comfortable because it, it's, it's hard work. It's not pretending it's not, but it's, it's, it's what makes me feel, uh, feel good inside. I just love that sort of environment. Some people love running in the mountains. You won't catch me running on a mountain. I don't like heights and they give me the heebie jeebies. Um, <laughs> um, I, I love running by the sea and I love running in deserts. And so um, it, it's, where I feel comfortable in that environment.
1: And you said that you've, you've now run the Marathon Disabler four times.
0: Yes. Yes. So it, is that the thing that makes you come back? Is, it, <laughs> well, is no, it? It's friends really now. I'm sort of stuck in this, this thing where people are like, Oh, come with me. And then I get terrible fear of missing out. I get terrible FOMO. Um, so the second time I went back with, with my But we was my then boyfriend, now my husband. Because I was like, oh, you'll love it. I just wanted to share it. It was such a wonderful experience. I was like, you need to do this thing. You need to do this thing. And so we went together to do it. Um, And then the third time, I was lucky enough to be invited back, which was was actually the the hardest one because um, I, I wasn't with anybody I knew. And then the fourth time, I promised one of my best friends that if she ever did it, I would do it with her. And the truth was, I thought she's never going to sign up. And she did. <laughs> that was Sophie. <laughs> and so she signed up and I was like, oh, for God's sake, I'm going to have to do it again.
1: <laughs> I, read a story about that. I read your blog about that, you running with Sophie. Yeah. That yeah. looked so fun. But also we had- I love the fact that she hid it. Oh she hid the fact that she was doing it, okay. didn't
0: she? It killed me. I, had to, I was sworn to secrecy. So, yeah, she, she – I, and the thing was I found out before I, I'd done the previous year that I was going to run, um, run it. And so um, I, all I could think about when I was having that terrible year by myself was I'm going to come back and do this again next year. <laughs> but when I went back with Sophie, I was sworn to secrecy, um, which killed me because, you know, I, I, I probably overshare. And, um, <laughs> and we were sort of running around, you know, incognito with packs on, you know, in, in, in very quiet trails whilst she trained for it. And she was, um, she went, what I'm saying, she was absolutely terrified about the prospect of it. But I just knew from the word go that she would be fine. And not only would she be fine, she absolutely would love it. And uh, we, we had one of the best weeks of our lives there. It was just, it was just an extraordinary week with just wonderful people. It, 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 that race is, I would say, when you talk to people who have done that race, um, you don't really remember the running. I mean, sure, you are running a long way, but you, it's not the pri- it's not the primary thing you think about. You think about the people and the you know the fun you've had and uh, and yeah, just just your your you know your tent mates there called the people you've spent most of the time with, and that's the overriding experience. And I think that's why I keep going back to that race. <laughs> so, so, will you go back? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never say never. I mean, I think I'm I'm done. I'm done running it. Uh, I got. I was supposed to go this year, just as press, and so you have the luxury of being able to to just run a one day or two days, and then just swan around in a car, like clapping people um, for the rest of it. Um, and so, hopefully, I'll go out as press next year. But yeah, it's it's. A, there's a part of me is is in in that race because it was just the first the first time where I really realize what what you can do if you if you want something and if you if you believe it can happen um yeah it was just a it just opened up this whole world of ultra running to me and and you just when you're standing at the start line you see it's it's there's not a certain type of person it's not like it's you know super elite people it's just ordinary people wanting to do something slightly extraordinary so it's just it's a wonderful race
1: what is it do you think um, about women that makes them so good at ultra running? I don't
0: know. I love this. I'm never bored of this subject. <laughs> um, it's really interesting because ultra running has, you know, it, it's a relatively new sport. And um, I'd say in the last sort of 10, 10 years, the time that I've been doing it, the, the the female participation, thankfully, has really, really increased. And what is incredibly interesting is the longer the distances go, then then the, the, the narrow the gap between men and, and, and male and female. And more interestingly, if it's very long, the women actually uh, are breaking course records now that, you know, they're, they're beating the men. It's just fascinating. I, I don't know if I wish, I, I wish I knew, but you know, I have a couple of theories. <laughs> um, I think I, I do think there's a certain <clears throat> attitude uh, in, in, in women, if you're deciding you're going to run a race, if I decide I'm going to run a race, I will do everything I can, everything within my power, every fiber of my being to get to that, that finish line. And I don't care if I had an A race, I wanted to finish in, you know, a certain time or within a certain ranking. And that doesn't happen for me. I will keep going. <laughs> I will just keep going to finish the race. And I think, I think sometimes I can be the mentality of, oh, I haven't got to where I want to be. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to st- stop now. So, um, that's physiologically, I don't know, there, there, there's got to be, I think there's going to be, you know, a bit of science attributed to this. I know a few people are, are looking into it. Um, I, I, I do think that it's something to do with me- the mental strength, I think. I'd like to think so anyway. But <laughs> to <laughs> so, 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 so myself and my husband, we, I mean, he's definitely a much stronger and a much faster one than me until you start going over 100K and then, um, and then I'm, the, I'm the, the stronger one. And it's just really interesting really really interesting
1: <laughs> and I'm uh, talking about mental and physical strength um you and your journey from kind of starting running just 10 years ago until now where you're basically doing every ultra going <laughs> you had it's it's been a tough road at times
0: yeah. um yeah.
1: and I was reading that um just only just a few years ago after the Chicago marathon you discovered that you had cancer
0: yeah I did it's been it's been a it's been a bit of a a roller coaster I think and I think uh cancer aside I think a lot of people a lot of runners can associate with this you when you start running it's all new and wonderful it's all pbs and I got very involved in in my pace don't get me wrong I was nothing no I wasn't (laughs) I was I was kind of a good average I wasn't spectacular um there's a lot of faster runners out there than, than me but I was you know I was really happy trying to hit those targets and hit those those you know, those 10 K times and half marathon marathon times. And then it kind of plateaus and, um, and I'm not getting any younger and it just, it just got a little bit harder. And I went through a phase where it was just, Oh God, it was just, it it was getting me, you know, I was getting a little bit miserable and quite obsessed with my pace. And, It took me a little while to grow up and realize that no one cares what my 10K time is. The only person who cares is me. And then I went back to enjoying running again. And then I just sort of found harmony with the fact that, you know, maybe my PB days are over. It's okay as long as I'm still enjoying myself. And then I I just didn't feel very well. I just, there was something not quite right. And and it was quite difficult to pinpoint because um, I had thyroid cancer and the, the symptoms are, Things like, you know, you just feel a bit tired, <laughs> you know, you're really hungry one week or in you know, the next week you just can't eat at all. And, and, you know, they're just so vague that it could be attributed to, to just running too much. I just thought, oh, maybe I'm just getting a bit older and, you know, I, I don't know. It, I just didn't, didn't dwell on it. Mm. And then um, I had a terrible cough, which just came and went across the space of a year. And then by the time... I did Chicago Marathon. It was actually, it was, it was debilitating. I couldn't stand up and cough at the same time. And, and I was at this race with Sophie again. <laughs> and, um, and it was the last of our world marathon majors. So those are the, the six biggest marathons in the world. Um, and it was the very last one where we were going to pick up our sixth star and our giant medal and we were going to be interviewed and all, it was all fantastic. And so there was no way I couldn't finish the race. And at, I can remember the day before, everybody was like, are you okay, season? And I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I can't not do this race um Anyway, the, she, she told me afterwards, but they, her and my husband were so worried about me. They basically ran with me, and I got to about twenty miles. And I can I remember leaning over and saying, "If I collapse, don't let them take me off the course. I'll be okay. Just let me stay, and I will finish." <laughs> and they were just looking at me like, we have got to stay with her because she's obviously lost the plot." Um, but I finished the race. It was really tough. They pretty much she she held my hand and pretty much dragged me across the line. And then I collapsed at the end, and I've never done that before. And I just knew I had to see a doctor and I saw a doctor and they x-rayed my chest and, and found at the top of my um, x-ray, a very large uh, lump in my neck, which turned out to be thyroid cancer. And so the, the short version is I, was, I had a couple of operations and, and I was fine, um, but I dealt with it by entering a lot of races. <laughs> it's probably on reflection. <laughs> on reflection now, I can say, um, with a bit of hindsight, I might have over that pudding and I perhaps should have been a little bit kinder to myself <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have you have run an awful lot of ultras i was Good. trying to make a list and i don't think i finished it oh i haven't mm-hmm. made a list don't don't yeah just... <laughs> but i mean there's like really the gone. ice ultra the jungle ultra race to the stones there's marathons all over the place um a hundred miles in a day which sounds oh, yeah. Yeah, marathon, yeah.
0: um
1: what's what's been the best one what's been the worst
0: well the worst one I'd say was that first jungle ultra just because I was I was quite cavalier about it by that point. I was like, oh yeah, I can run for days. It's all great. And um I went into it uh under, unprepared basically unprepared and undertrained and it was it was a hell of a slog and um my husband was with me and he collapsed on day 2 or 3 um and nearly died i mean i'm not being dramatic he nearly died (laughs) he needed nine drips to be brought round, and that was that was stressful (laughs) and i was just didn't want to run by myself um but i realized i just thought both of us can't fly all the way to the amazon rainforest and come home with nothing so i pushed on and then it was a real ordeal i was just it was it was really physically tough that race because it was just all elevation and mud and incredibly humid um so I just was unprepared. But that's, I found that really, really, really tough. I wanted to stop in that race um, and couldn't because there was nowhere to stop because I was in the middle of a jumble. I just had to get to the finish line. <laughs> So that was probably the, the toughest. Um, loads of highlights, though. It's hard to select a, it's hard to select a particular highlight. Um, Boston Marathon, I think, was a highlight because it's a biggie. And it was perhaps one of the first races, you know, at that very first few months. And I read about Boston Marathon; and it just seemed like a dream to be able to stand at that start line. Mm. And um, it was a year after the bombing, so there was quite. A, it, it was a very powerful race to be be part of. And I met Sophie in that race, and mm. I just, I just, I'd, I'd earned my my place at the start line, and I ran my heart out. It was a terrible, terrible race for me, strategy wise. <laughs> <I> imploded <laughs> at about mile sixteen, but I kept going. <laughs> um, so that was a really good one. Obviously, any of the the starts, I think, were real, real highlights. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm really. This I, I need to make sure. I know I sounds I know this doesn't sound sound great, but I'm beginning really to enjoy the hundred milers. <laughs> yeah, tell <laughs> me about that hundred miles in a day thing. So I've run a hundred miles in a day. How many times? A few times now. I've done. I've done five one hundred milers, um, and I've done them in in races. So these are. So these are surprisingly popular races now the centurion races 100 mile races uh, my last one was in december i ran um i ran just basically 100 miles down in, in in florida i've done one where i've run across all the florida keys that was great i tripped over an alligator in that one that was, <laughs> 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 um, and then uh, and then probably quite a difficult one but but really weirdly rewarding i did uh, i did um I ran around a 400 meter track for 24 hours. And I think I ran 104 miles or something like that, just mm. in a circle. And you sort of, the beauty in that race was, there was no beauty in it at all. It's just you and running. It was very pure. There was nothing beautiful to look at. Um, you weren't going anywhere. <laughs> it was a real um, mental challenge. And um, on reflection, I, I, there was something very pure about that race. Um, <laughs> people that were crewing me would say, say say something different. They'd say that you had a miserable time, but I thought I loved it. <laughs> 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 um and the you
1: also did a 12-hour treadmill thing which sounded horrific
0: oh yeah that was I'm not gonna lie that was horrific that was that was horrific so that came about um the, the people I do the uh the um heat chamber with at uh, Kingston University so I got to know the team there from all the times I kept going back and having to use the heat chamber and um one of the members of staff there uh a, name, a guy called Chris Howe he is doing his PhD research into ultra running um again it was quite a new sport and he needed people to basically experiment on he wanted people to run uh, 50 miles on a treadmill um and then he would record you know their their, their blood pressure you know the, the amount of um he had to take a lot of data analysis th- throughout that experiment and he had no women had come forward for it <laughs> so i was like oh i'll do it you know he needed it couldn't just be based on guys so they needed women to come forward um, I did that I ran, hopped on the treadmill ran 50 miles hopped off was like see you later went home I was super fit at the time so I was trained for an Ironman and anyway the, the upshot of that was uh, he realized that if I'd kept running I would have broken a world record um, on the treadmill wow. mainly because not many people do those because they're gross <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> so it sounds impressive but it is not because not many people have had a go at it um, and so basically, we set it up. We set it up. We got in touch with Guinness World Records, and they gave us a huge document to, to adhere to. Um, we had loads of different rules to stick to. We had to be open to the public. We had to have the whole thing filmed on multiple cameras. Um, I, all the witnesses were people I didn't know. So we got a load of the students in um, to, to, to monitor me. Um, and yeah, basically, I had to basically see how far I could run in twelve hours, and I had to beat—I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what the distance was, but I only just beat it because I felt a bit. <laughs> nine hours in and then I started throwing up everywhere because I got seasick <laughs> so it was um it was a tough day at the office that one oh my gosh I had basically I had one of those one of those one of those moments where um you, when you start running um and you know you're just thinking oh I can't be bothered today uh, it, it will have those runs where you're just like nah not today um mm-hmm. yeah I got on and I was like I'm not really feeling this and I had to stay on it for 12 hours <laughs> <laughs> How did you keep entertained while you're doing it? Well, I, was, I tried everything. I tried everything. We had lots of people come in um, to say hello, and that was that was great. It, but, but it got a little bit exhausting, actually, after about six hours of trying to make small talk with people I didn't know. Mm. Um, so we had some screens up with lots of messages of support. It kind of went viral, so I was getting all these lovely messages. But again, that was making me feel sick. Um, so we had music. I mean I just exhausted everything you could possibly think of. Um, I had music in my ears, I had to air, loads of things to distract me and ultimately um, it was it was a slog. It was a slog. Try doing anything, just one trying to do just one thing for twelve hours and it, it's hard. Did you do it though? Did you break the record? I did, I broke the world record, I broke the world record and then I think I managed to get another couple of miles out before I, I, I threw up again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, and to go back to the um, the 100 miles in a day, because I was reading your blog about that as well, mm. um, where you're sort of going back and forth a bit. How, how do you train to run 100 miles in one day?
0: Um, th- in all honesty, your fitness is probably only going to get you so far. So that it really is. And um, 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 there's two things in a 100 miler which you need to you need to to, to get through. One of them is, is you're mentally, you need to be mentally on board. And the second thing is your stomach's got to be on board. Everything else, you can, you can make it work. Um, I've seen super, super fit people not, not finish, because if your head's not in the game, you're done for. Um, or if your stomach you know, gives up on you, then it's, it's really difficult. So I think the very first time I ran that like 100-mile race, I think I did 140-mile on and that was it. And that was awful. And I thought, God, I'm never going to run another 60 miles. It's terrifying. <laughs> um, just a lot of time on feet, really. It really is more of a mental... mental thing than than anything so you need to practice your food um as you're running along finding out what works for you nutrition wise is 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 really crucial other than that then you know my average running week say be about 50 miles and i could probably you know do maybe a couple of slightly bigger mile weeks and then i'll just go into a hundred miler i'm having got my nutrition um right and and the right right headspace
1: do you um Do you suffer much from injuries during your training or in your races
0: i've been really lucky because I think I did what you know a lot of runners do in those first couple of years where I'd get a niggle or an injury and I'd be like oh, I 'll be fine and then you keep running and then you have sort of eight weeks out so I did, I did that a couple of times at the beginning the first couple of years um getting injured and starting to stop running for two months and then building back up again. And then now, you know, I'm just a bit older, a bit wiser, a bit more niggly. So if anything feels odd, I just address it immediately. I just address, I just stop and, you know, the physio or, or um, yeah, just, just ease off for, for a couple of weeks. Um, so I've been okay. I had one one major injury. I had the same sort of, it's always my Achilles get a bit sore and I can recognize it now and know how to deal with it. Um, but I've had one major injury since it was running around the, the, the track for 24 hours, um, and I had quite a, I got quite a serious foot injury. And the, the truth was, everything hurt so much in those races. I didn't really know how injured I was until two days afterwards. My foot was the size of a massive elephant. <laughs> I was like, this does not look right. I've only got an egg trade. Um, so that was that was tough, actually, because basically it knocked me out for... I, I couldn't really run more than about 10 miles for about eight months after that. And uh, what I dealt with it then by just doing all the right things, all the physio things that recommended to me. And I just shifted my focus, my goal. I just tried to, tried to run fast in 10Ks for a while, which was horrendously difficult. <laughs> and I got nowhere near my PB. But, you know, it gave me another focus. And I still got that sort of running buzz. And I really enjoyed, actually, I really enjoyed thinking about stop thinking about you know running in a in a different way for for basically the best part of about eight to ten months.
1: Do you do much cross-training or do you um or is running just the thing? So I think the, the the
0: truth is not as much as I should <laughs> I go through I go through phases where um I'm like, yes, yoga and you know and I'll do loads of yoga and I'll do it in a regular part of my routine and then I'll do it for three months and feel amazing and then something happens that like you go away and then you come back and you go, you kind of lose the routine so i'm, I'm i would say I'm, I'm sporadic but i do like to cycle i do a bit of uh, not on the road i'm a terrible cyclist i i on a turbo trainer in a nice static safe environment um and I, and actually the good thing about lockdown is i've been i've been doing quite a few sort of zoom workouts and at home workouts and uh i'm really enjoying those so yeah i try and i try and do you know the, the strength training and all those bits and pieces but um I wish I was more committed because I just I'll do like 3 months and then switch focus and start swimming instead instead of doing the cross training so mainly it's mainly running if I'm honest with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um I remember uh, hearing that you were down to do the Orbis Trail Challenge this year.
0: Yes, yeah. Still going ahead or I that- don't think so. I mean, we we haven't it hasn't officially had the 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 plug pulled on it because um I think whilst there's still a glimmer of hope, <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't have to draw a line underneath it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there might be something salvaged from that, but I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% on that one. Can you explain what it is? so yeah it's i haven't done it after, after Kelly Holmes was, oh, I think was Kelly. A, yeah <laughs> Kelly. she Kelly's done it so basically it's actually it it's really appealing to me because it's a really good balance of of a challenge something which is quite difficult um uh mixed up with you know w- with some some rest days and and just some fantastic learning so it's based in malawi and you've got three days of running and in between each one of those days you've you've got an activity um and the running looks. Yeah, it looks challenging but not insurmountable so it'll be a half marathon but through maybe quite a warm plain one day and then the next day it'll be up upper a, a, a mountain and then the third day um a, a trail environment so um, all quite all quite achievable i, I would say but uh, enough of a challenge you feel like you know you you've, you've got a, you've had a good experience
1: and so if you if you're not going to be doing that what challenges are you going to be doing what?
0: What have you signed up to do this year? So this year's gone completely down the toilet, and I don't think I'm alone. I think all runners. <laughs> 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 I my m- my bulk of my races were in the first half of the year, uh, but they just all got completely. Wild. I did one. I went to Costa Rica and did the Costa Rica Coastal Challenge, and my. Goodness, I'm so glad I managed to get to do that because that was basically the last race, uh, the first and last race I did. Um, the bulk of my races are in America and I can't get over there um, at the moment. One, I'm supposed to be doing a 100-miler in October, but the race, as far as i is going ahead, but I can't get into the country. So um, I haven't been training for it either. So, <laughs> so that may or may not go ahead. Um, I've signed up tentatively to Athens Marathon, because that's also going ahead. I've not booked my flights yet. So it's a lot of kind of, um, you know, races which may or may not happen. But you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. If, if these things don't, don't happen, it's, it's, it's fine. The races will come back. But uh, looking forward into, into next year, you know, I've got to uh, – I haven't entered anything yet, but all the races that I was supposed to this year, I'd like they're going to roll over to next year. So there's one in particular I'm really keen to do called Sultan's Sea, And that's 81 miles through the desert, of course, (laughs) and ends uh, up through uh, Nevada desert and ends uh, up at the top of a mountain. And what's really interesting um, about that race is it's a team race. And not that you have to pass a baton, but that you have to run together. You're not allowed to be more than 20 meters apart. So there's an interesting team dynamic, which I'm I'm keen to explore over 81 miles. (laughs) Who's your team for that? Well, actually, well, it, so at the moment, if you know anybody, please jump on board. I've got <laughs> Chris Howes is from King's University, the guy who I was talking about who did the experiments. He's, he's keen to, to have a look at that race, so he's going to come aboard me. And in an ideal world, I want another female there because, um, again, you know, just repping the females, I think I could get quite, quite a good team. We can go as a pair, but um, it would be nice to have, have a team of three. And you couldn't so, persuade Sophie to do that one? I keep asking her. I keep asking her, actually. Yeah, you're right. It's a new year. Maybe I could start chipping away at it again. It's often she has, to read, she, has to, she has to read the news or something, so it's always sort of. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll ask her actually. I think she would secretly love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have like a longer term aim or goal with your running, or do you just want to enjoy it race by race?
0: It's really important to just to to, to enjoy it. And actually, after that, those few months after when I had the cancer, the cancer treatment, I I, I really. Mm-hmm overdid it I think and uh it made me kind of think you know reevaluate. I just don't, don't running for the sake of it and so now as I get a little bit older um I'm getting a little bit more selective about the sort of a races that, that I do and so I'm being a little bit more choosy about them but there is there is there is one race which I just I just have to do I just have to do and I think if I if I get lucky enough to to get into the start line of that then that will probably be the, the, the pinnacle. <laughs> and I wouldn't say I'll leave it there. Never say never. But, you know, that, that to me is the, the one race I've got left to tick off. And that one's um, a race called Badwater 135. And it's 135 miles through the hottest place on earth at the hottest time of year. So it goes through Death Valley. And is uh, I don't want to understate under, 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 under it, but it's one of the most difficult, unbelievable things I've ever witnessed people do and every time I see it I think I can't you know what the hell <laughs> and then uh, two weeks later I'm like I have to do it <laughs> and so that's it's really a toughie to get into because it was cancelled this year so I don't know what the criteria be for selection next year but you pretty much you have to you get selected to, to to run that so um, that's still a big ambition of mine I think if I ever made the start line let alone the finish line it will be, I'll be I'll, I would think job done <laughs>
1: Um, I want to ask you about Mizuno because you've recently become <laughs> an ambassador for them and you're wearing a very lovely hat which is yes. <laughs> very nice um how did that come about that's
0: that's a brilliant partnership I don't know I used to have been really um there's been I, I've been really I think I just hit things at the right time so when I started documenting my my running journey um I think I just hit things at, at the right time you know the popularity of ultra running has increased dramatically when I started I think in the UK there were 17 ultra marathons and now i I don't think I lost count at 240. There's just so many of them. So the, it, it's just a real increase uptake in the sport. And I started documenting what I was doing um, in quite an honest way on social media. And um, I had a proper job. <laughs> I, had a, I worked for 20 years in the museum and gallery sector, and I did that up in London. Um, and then just a couple of years ago, the opportunity presented itself just to, just to, 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 to focus a bit more on on, on the running that I was doing, and sort of talking about the running, and all those bits that surrounded, and I was fortunate enough to do some race commentating, which I, I really enjoyed doing. Um, and so I just kind of stopped working up in London and, and doing the running thing, and it's worked out really well for me. Mizuno, you know, they just they just got in touch with me um, and sent me some shoes, and how I like the shoes, and uh, really really like the brand. It's a very old historical. Brand, you know, they've, they've been around for absolutely years, and uh, I just, you know, learned a little bit about them and, and met met the people there. We just all got on really well, um, and just really proud and delighted to represent them.
1: Oh, w- wonderful! Um, <laughs> you know, there was um, something I was reading which uh, about you, which um, I loved along with everything else, which is uh, that you're a fan of craft beer. Is that true? <laughs> yes.
0: Oh yeah! Now this, you know, this again came about purely from running because <laughs> I don't know whether I—I I don't know whether as you get older, your taste buds they—they they shift, don't they? They—they they shift ever so slightly towards the bitter. When you were younger, it, it's sweeter. And I had done a one mile, <laughs> a one mile race. They're brilliant one mile races. It's with Strava actually. And I was it was hot and I was actually gasping. And I don't drink beer. And all I had there—it was, it was a very trendy, trendy event. Was <laughs> With some craft ale. And I was like, huh? it, was, it was like, it was delicious. And that was it. I just went mad on the craft ale. So everywhere I go, any race I go, um, the, the, the thing is, is to find the local ale and to test it out. So I've <laughs> got <laughs> so, a lot of, uh, a lot of ales, um, wherever, wherever I go, you know, there's a lot of really great ones in America and you've got to taste the local beer.
1: Because <laughs> um, I'm very used to speaking to runners and asking them about what they use to fuel their races. Oh, I've talked about pot noodle and beer. <laughs> you talk about noodle and beer, which is incredibly refreshing. What I'm used to hearing uh, is porridge.
0: Um, yeah. Which <laughs> no, <laughs> fine, I don't, fine, yeah, no, no, I, no. I, I, I mean, I do. I, I, I'm not. I'm not advocating junk food and alcohol, but I sort of eat normally, like everybody would do. And I eat kind of, you know, I I, I I I eat a lot of vegetables. Um, I actually don't eat meat. But when it comes to sort of race weekend, I kind of go into survival mode. And Survival mode can can mean pizza. <laughs> And then, then as I'm running along, and I'm, I'm, you know, uh, 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 the the, the mind games I tell myself to try and get through the the race. It's like this time tomorrow, I'm going to be sitting in the bath drinking a beer. You know, (laughs) I make these kind of rewards for myself.
1: What do you what do you eat while you're racing and then after
0: you're racing? What do you look forward to eating? Oh no, what it's, do you eat? bad. <laughs> it's, it's all junk food I'm afraid. Cheese is cheese features highly. Cheese features very highly because um, it's it's got high calories, high fat, and high salt. Um, so cheese. And when I'm racing, I'm not. If it's a very long way, if it's you know more than the marathon, it's. I actually find it quite hard. I love eating and I love food, but it's actually quite hard to eat. Um, and so I do use a lot of, um, nutrition shakes actually. It's a very high calorie, uh, shake. It's just easy to get in a liquid, liquid form. Um, yeah. And when the going gets tough, you end up sort of n- n- knocking back Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> um, but post, post race th- th- is anything, anything I want. I mean, you have a sort of, I, I could, I could eat anything. I'll have anything, anything I want, but normally, just because we're bone oh. idle, the go-to would be a pizza. All <laughs> <Corn laughs> the <a> pizza. <laughs>
1: um, so I've got one last very quick question. Well, it's not that quick. Actually, it's going to be as long as you like. Um, <laughs> I want to know what your advice would be for any woman thinking about taking on their first ultra. Can
0: anyone do one? Yes. So 100%. If you're thinking about it, don't don't... The reasons for you not taking it on are all all passable. Completely, it's it's they are so um, they are so achievable, and don't be put off by um, by anything that you know that, that you think is going to stop you because you can totally do it. All you've got to want to do uh, an ultramarathon is a desire to finish. Um, the rest of it, it, the rest of it comes. You, know, you, you could think about the food you want to eat. Sure. get some time on feet. Really good training to to come. Kind of train when your legs are a bit tired. Um, don't worry about pace but really really if I genuinely and genuinely if, if you saw me running <laughs> an marathon, run stroke walking you'll be like I can't I can actually do that so please don't be put off and there's so many fantastic races out there and I would just love to see a lot of lot more women at the start line it really I 100% promise you it, it's, it's completely a thing which anybody can do and you know don't forget the point that we made right at the beginning of this is that uh, very interestingly, women um, have a really, really good finish rate in ultramarathons and women of a certain age, my age, uh, it's just the sweet spot for, for finishing ultramarathons. You know, I'm 45 years old and and I genuinely, if you're thinking about it, please don't be put off. Get in touch with me, happy to chat through. Nerves are, of course, a thing, but don't be put off by anything you think you can't do because I'm telling you now that you absolutely can. If you want to do it, that's all you need to do. And if they were going to choose one ultra, what would it be? Ooh. Now that's that is that is hard because there are so many out there. So I, I would say that find what you love. You know, if you love running by the sea, then then pick one by the sea. If you love running in the trails, then you know it, the environment's got to suit what you feel comfortable doing. Um, so that that would be my best advice. There are so many different ones out there. There's a, a lot to lot to choose from. So whatever environment that floats your boat, go for that one.
1: That was Susie Chan. I loved the whole beer and pizza thing and I hope you did too. She sounds so normal for someone who runs so many miles. This episode was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Do please get in touch with anyone you'd like me to chat to and do hit subscribe so that you get your fortnightly dose of women's running chat as soon as I release it into the world as well as any specials I decide to launch on a whim. Have you heard my London Marathon chat with Deb James and Emma Campbell? Worth a listen. At Women's Running, we want to inspire you to run, whether you've never run before or you're training for your fifth ultra marathon. We think that women who run need a space for themselves, and we want to be that. Every month, we talk all things running and all things women, from training plans for specific distances to interviews with incredible runners, ideas on how to improve your running and remain injury-free, to delicious recipes to fuel your running and tons of advice on women's health. The easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop.womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door or to your inbox every month by subscribing. You can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet through your app store. For all the different ways to read the magazine, go to shop. Women'srunning.co.uk. Do join us. We would love to have you with us. Happy running.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.